You are listening to the B2B Marketing Mindset with Pete Monfrey and Bill Lowell. We want to help demystify marketing to reduce risk, drive more and better opportunities and grow your business. Are you ready to master marketing? All right. I always like to listen to the, uh, the theme play when it comes on, but I could be prejudiced because that's actually us playing. All right, welcome to B2B Marketing Mindset. Uh, shall we get into the marketing mindset right now? I'm Pete Monfrey. This is Bill Lowell, my intrepid co-host. Uh, every week we go live on LinkedIn and help marketing and you make better help marketing, help you make better marketing decisions. Today we're talking about marketing research. Such a fascinating topic. As usual, there's a lot more information on this topic at b2bmarketingmindset.com, and I encourage you to check that out. You can also uh, suggest topics, ask questions, um, all kinds of things that you can do there. And uh, if we like your question enough, we'll have you as a guest on the program, which is basically syndicated everywhere. Uh, fine podcasts are consumed. I see that our scroll is a little whacked out. I'm actually fixing it as we speak. Um, but we've got six key points to help you decide if marketing research can make you help better decisions, which is what we're all about here, and determine if you actually do know everything there is to know about marketing. So, Bill, how's what's it like to be the smartest guy in the room? Well, pretty good, actually, because I'm in the room by myself. So. Is that it? <laughs> yeah, so thank you. But I, I needed to clarify. It seems like a technicality. One. I love that. I'm going to have to do that more often. Um, I wanted to clarify one thing because you said the music we did, and I, you know we did this, and I just want to make sure the audience knows you did this beat. <laughs> I, I, I can't carry a tune, let alone make any kind of music. So well, uh, you can carry amplifiers, and I think that counts. So uh, I, yeah, I suppose know. I could. I'm, I'm a coolie with regard to that. That's exactly no, it's, right. It's awesome that we were able to to record and make our own music. And that theme actually has a little story behind it, uh, if anybody's curious. Uh, that was an absolutely improvised little song that we made up on the spot at one of our shows here in Austin. And... Um, it turned out pretty dang good, if I should say so myself. So uh, we, you know, it's always good to own your own assets. Uh, that way, great. nobody comes along and tells you you can't use it. And um, you know, who knows? Who knows who owns that? Maybe the people in the room own it. Who knows? But we made it up on the spot. It was it was awesome. Uh, so, but anyway, I think this is a great topic. And you know, is marketing research a waste of money? Uh, the reason I titled this uh, uh, in that way is that literally there are so many CEOs and people in charge, executives who do think that research is a waste of money. They think it's a, a colossal waste of money. Um, have you run into that in your uh, in your life? Because your company is focused on marketing research. We do we do a lot of it, and uh, I'm a little biased, but I haven't run across a lot of people. But when I do. If they think it's a waste of money, I probably would run away from them as fast as I could because they're probably about as dumb as it can be. So anyway, just head research, well, you know. I, the way that I've seen it is not that it, somebody says, oh, we don't want to do any research. Yeah. They look at the cost of, of doing a marketing plan. That's what we do. We do right. marketing plans. Right. And they don't, a lot of times they think, wow, that the cost is so high. And maybe they're comparing it to a, a different firm and the cost is much lower and right. what the difference usually is, is a lack of research. They're not doing research. They're just talking to the client. 
They're getting the client's information. They're basing all of their recommendations on what the client says and thinks, right? Which goes, is full of confirmation bias. Yep. And it's garbage in and garbage out. So is marketing a waste of money? Let's yeah. find it out. Almost go, it almost goes to your point about being the smartest person in the room. They're probably sitting in a room by themselves and saying, oh, here's what we should do, right? This is what it is. Trust yeah. me, I've been in this business, kid. Kid, I've been in this business for 20 years. Yeah, Let me I tell you, it's is. all what it is. I know all the things. Yeah, you don't. Let me tell you that you don't. All right? But let's uh, let's hit it. So are you making decisions based on facts or, as my attorney would say, hearsay? There you go. Right? Um, so what do we mean by that? I mean, I, th I, think, I think what we were just talking about leads to this is we're all full of cognitive bias, right? We think that, you know, uh, let's use that example of the business leader who's pounding his fist on the table. Maybe he's saying something like, it's all about price. It's just about price. That's the most important thing. You know, chances are that's just he's reflecting what he what's important to him, but he's not the customer or she, right? Or maybe that was true 10 years ago, but the market's changed right but somehow whatever way that idea came about it became it goes from myth to fact over time because it gets repeated all the time and if the company isn't reaching outside of the company to get information and data i, I just think it's a, it's a dangerous way to make decisions you know i think in in every single industry and then i think in every single business if I have the opportunity to have a better informed decision, I think I'm going to hopefully, I mean, we'll talk about this a little bit later in the podcast, but I think we're going to reduce the risk of us making mistakes or errors or getting a second opinion. I mean, I think all of that is is key. It's like it's like you going to the doctor and maybe you tell them what's going on and them just all of a sudden diagnosing you. Absolutely not. They're, they're going to run some kind of tests, whether it's right. blood work, x-ray, MRI, whatever it is, they're going to do something. It's the same thing here. I think we're going to, even if you have a hunch and you think you're going to be right, I think the, uh, the research can help you be better informed. And whether it's with regard to marketing or your strategy or other things in your business, I really think, I mean, even with regard to their employees and what they think, and I know later we're going to talk sometime about uh, culture, but I think all of that is just so important, you know, whether it's, you know, and we'll talk about new products emerging, new services. I mean, there's just so many different ways, but if I have the chance to be better informed, I think the likelihood of making a good decision is going to turn out really in our favor. Well, it's our job. People don't hire us to guess, okay? No. There's this old saw about consultants tell you what you already know and then charge you, you know, 900 bucks an hour to do it. Or they, uh, they, they consult, what is it about? They, uh, they take your watch and then they tell you what time it is. Okay. Yeah. It's nonsense. All right. We want to give you the best answers we can. And here's the truth. Look, our clients are smart people. All right. They're 98% correct right? It's the 2% that you get wrong that catches up with you. We live in that 2% world. We need to make sure that we're seeing clearly and that we're not guessing. People don't guess us, uh, don't guess us. People don't pay us to guess, all right? You can guess. It's a lot cheaper if you just want to go ahead and guess. It's okay with us. Uh, but if, of course, I'm with Bill. I'll be right behind you going out the door.
Well, you know, and, and it's funny because I was just talking to a client the other day about this, and, and they were talking about some public relations issues and some things that they were facing. And I think it's the same thing. I mean, if, if you know about potential roadblocks or obstacles or some issues that are going to be coming down the road How's the and you can you can identify those early you can avert a crisis or you can avert some other kind of things that might go wrong or make you How's look bad in the marketplace and so um i think you know i really think that the research can help you identify some of those upcoming issues as well absolutely it, you know and it's it's never there's nothing that's all or all or nothing i mean i think you combine the internal institutional knowledge and a lot of that's locked up in people's heads and so part of right. our job is to pull it out of everybody's heads get it down on the table everybody can see everything and then check that information against for me the biggest one is customer uh what what do your customers think right i mean it's kind of the only thing that actually matters um you know, what you think matters a lot less than what your customers think. Um, and we find out ridiculous, amazing things. We, we, we find things that agree. We find things that disagree. And then my favorite is we find things that none of, none of us thought of. We're like, oh, wow, that's huge, right? And if we didn't do the research, we wouldn't know that. I also want to give a caveat that when we're talking about research, we are not talking about necessarily some giant, time-consuming, super expensive thing. These days... The tools that we have, very, very efficient. Uh, there's no excuse to not do research. But I think we answered the no. question already in one slide. But we'll go. We'll we'll keep going. I, I think I can. And, and can I can I just make one more comment with regard to that? I am positive that there's some listener out there that is doing marketing or is the president of some company. And you know, I bet you they're either part of a what I would refer to as a tech group or one of their industry groups, or if they have something going on, they're reaching out to one of their colleagues, maybe that's not a competitor to say, hey, have you ever faced this crisis? Or have you faced this? Or how much are you spending on this? Or what do you do? That's research too. So it's like a lot of people, they're, they're making informed decisions. They're just not aware that it could be titled research. Yeah, I mean, and, and there, is some, there is an argument for an objective third party. You know, right. because you're still going to interpret it with all of your bias. And there's this issue where, let's say, and, and look, well, I'll encourage this. If, if the best you can do is go and just talk to your customers on your own, do it, right? But mm -hmm. understand Absolutely. something. The, the things that you need to hear the most are the things that most clients are not going to tell you in person because they don't want to hurt your feelings. It's just a psychological thing. They're not going to be like, uh, hey, uh, you stink. You know, uh, this, this, they don't do it. And so they tell us you stink and then we'll tell you and everybody's still happy. So just something to think about. Um, I mean, this is a topic we could elaborate much more on, but let's jump to the next, uh, next uh, bullet. Has the market changed? Uh, identifying trends, uh, changing conditions. So, Bill, has the market changed in the last few years? What do you think? Uh, absolutely, it has. And I think everybody listening knows that it has, whether they want to admit it or not. But I mean, COVID has changed the way a lot of people have done business. And, uh, you know, I think the customer's journey, like you and I have talked about a million times, it's it's changed. And you you better know about some of those changing trends, but it also brings opportunities for you. So hopefully you can pay attention to identifying those changing trends, conditions, etc. But uh you know, you talked about the customers too, and, and I'll let you chat about this, but you know, customers' needs and preferences, I bet you have changed as well, besides how they want to be marketed too. So I think there's a lot of things going on here. 
new competitors pop up that you might not be aware of. Maybe yeah. there's some, some technology emerging that you're not aware of because you're all locked up in your conference room all the time. You're not looking That's outward, cool. and then you get blindsided by this, and now you're way behind the curve. And this can happen in these days almost overnight. I mean, it's, it's right. kind of frightening. I personally want to know what's happening way ahead of time. And, um, you know, the, the other point about the market changing Actually, it's a great time to plug. We have a panel coming up. We're still working on setting the dates. We've got some amazing people, and we're going to be talking about the B2B buyer's journey and how much it's changed post-COVID. All right? You do not, if you're in the B2B business, you're trying to grow your company, who isn't? This is a panel you don't want to miss. All right? Mm -hmm. um, we've got David Smith, noted futurist, one of the smartest people I know. We have Tim Hayden from Brain Trust. We have Wayne... Wayne Meyer. Wayne, Wayne Meyer. Wayne Meyer. from uh, Industries, a manufacturing and industrial company. You know? Right. Uh, and and oh. they are, they've been wildly successful. Um, and uh, so we'll be announcing more guests and the dates and all that. So stay tuned for that. It's I think it's going to be very, very interesting. I, I don't have the answers on this. I'm looking forward to the panelists uh, helping me understand how the, uh, the journey has changed for the B2B buyer. Uh, and so you know, that could be a few episodes unto itself. So, um, you know, one, one other thing with regard to identifying changing markets, trends, et cetera, it could be, it could be some new legislation. It could be some other kind of uh, regulation that's coming down the path. I mean, so there could be a lot of other things that could be impacting that people may or may not be aware of that could impact your journey or the way the market's changing for you. Basic research helps you from getting blindsided. Okay, uh, and and that's that could be a real problem, um, and especially when you have so many moving pieces now, in terms of the way global markets operate. I mean, listen, is there any Fortune 100 client uh, company that doesn't do research? No, there isn't, because you don't get to be a Fortune 100 client uh, company if you. If you're not a company client, I don't know. My words today, man, they're getting mixed up. But Bill understands me. Bill understands whatever comes out, he knows what I actually mean. It's nice. I like it. I appreciate that. Uh, and this, this actually, the next bullet speaks to that point. Can you read minds? All right? Can you read minds? If you can, don't bother with research, okay? You're the amazing Kreskin. Remember that? Who was, uh, who was the Johnny Carson... Uh, Karnak. Yeah, Karnak. Oh, yeah. We're, oh, wow. we're, we're dating ourselves. Yeah. You know, we're dating ourselves. I actually met somebody the other day, and I, I said, uh, they, they were, they're in the home remodeling business. And I said, hey, man, you remember that, uh, that movie called Money Pit with Tom Hanks? And they're like, you know, like my dog does to me when I'm talking to him. And it may, I may as well have been saying, hey, remember that Fatty Arbuckle movie with uh, Lillian Gish? Wasn't that something? I love that. Sorry, just an aside. But can you read minds? Look, are you customer focused? Um, preferences, pain points, needs, constantly shifting, competitive, right? If Expand on that a little bit. Well, I mean, again, you just talked about pain points, preferences. I mean, it could be, and I just, we just finished a survey and I can tell you a little bit about this, but I mean, it could be how people want to be communicated, how much they want to be, you know, communicating with your organization. I mean, there could be so many different things. It could be how satisfied with you, you know, the customer focused approach could be, 
everything from are they going to recommend you? Are they going to use you again? If you come out with a new product or service, what's the likelihood that they would utilize you versus going on, on something else? So, I mean, there's just so much to, we could talk about that category all day long, but all day. it's like, you know, and it's almost the difference between having that customer focused approach where somebody might say, Ooh, Pete knows us. He knows what's going on versus somebody that, that thinks they do and they're making guessing they're making guessing games at it. So. Well, I like to say, you know, my greatest strength is I don't know anything, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know anything. Yeah. Uh, this, this is a kind of a misconception, I think, about what advisors do. I mean, I consider myself an advisor uh, to companies. Uh, my specialty, I'm really a management consultant that's focused on customer acquisition. People call me yeah. a marketing guy. Eh, you know, not really. I look at everything. Okay. And so we're trying to figure out what is keeping you from meeting your goals. And right. a lot of times it really is just information. Uh, you don't have the most current information. Um, you know, there are companies that will, this is kind of an ad agency thing that we've seen in the past. You, you need to make, make sure that you're ask, asking actionable questions. So in other words, I've, I've literally heard companies ask their customers, if we met at a bar, what kind of drink would you buy for us? Okay. Yeah, I don't need that. I'm not an alcoholic, for one, yet. Uh, but two, uh, I need to know things like what is your what is the criteria? What's the top five criteria for choosing one marketing firm over another marketing firm? And then how do we stack up against our competitors on those same five criteria? Okay, that's useful information. And in fact, Bill, you're doing a survey for me. If you're listening to this podcast, there's a chance that you're going to get an email saying, "Hey." fill out this survey and it's you're going to you're going to it's an anonymous survey so we don't know who you are you can say anything you want right we want to mm -hmm. know about we're we're working on perception uh uh reputation a couple other awareness things awareness of awareness of some of your services so i right. think that's going to be important um what they think about the podcast a couple other things so we don't just preach about this stuff, okay? We no. we put our money where our mouth is, and I'm terrified of, of, of getting the results, but I'm looking forward to it as well. Um, hopefully nobody will be like, that guy smells weird. I don't know what's with him. Uh, but luckily you can't smell us through the Internet, and so there you go. Um, and by the way, that's probably my dog that you're smelling. Um, uh -oh. Can you afford to guess? Uh, can you afford to guess? In other words, it kind of has to do with do you read minds, but... But I'm thinking more about, you know, your your bullet point, uh, allocating resources more effectively. Yeah. Okay. Tell tell me a little bit about how research can help you allocate resources. Well, it's like I always tell my clients, you know, I can help you to be more efficient and effective in reaching the market. And what I mean by that is very simply that, you know. I actually have a model that I use with our clients and I always say, you know, sometimes somebody's going and the model jumps from one tactic to another. So it's like, ooh, let's do an email blast. Ooh, let's go and let's do some direct mail. Oh, we should do some radio advertising, you know. And they're always jumping from one thing to another, whether their competitors are doing that or that's just something they think about. And I always say, let's step back and let's find out really what the marketplace, what, what your customers, what ways do they want to buy from you? And maybe it's going to be a lot less expensive. But the bottom line is, it doesn't maybe it doesn't have to be like twenty different things or five things. Maybe it's one or two things that could really, if you really fine tuned it, it could be effective. And then it doesn't have to cost as much. But I just I just see so many organizations 
jumping through every single hoop or doing every little thing. And it's like, I don't know that that's necessary. So the resource allocation, let's put our money where we're going to get the biggest impact. You know? Well, this is something that we run into often enough where we actually have an offering to solve this problem where companies are investing money. They're investing money in marketing. They're not getting out of it what they want. It's not meeting their expectations, but they're not sure why, right? So research doesn't always have to be, hey, we're going to talk to our customers. Hey, we're going to look at our competitors. We're going to look at, you know, there's research that goes, that looks internally, like we, we call it a diagnostic, right? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's basically we're doing, we're auditing, what are you doing, right? What, what's working? What isn't working? Why isn't it working? Okay, we do those very fast. They're not expensive, but we will get you the answers that you need to, and usually reallocation is the answer. In other words, we're going to reallocate. We're going to take money away from the stuff that's not working, and we're right. going to apply it to the things that are working. And in all the years we've been doing these, almost 100, well, I would say 100% of the time, we find an enormous amount of waste, okay? So that's a big area of research too. Where are you wasting money when it comes to marketing and sales? Where are you wasting it? And truth is, our fees are more than covered by the waste that we eradicate. And so you just, it's, you can't lose, all right? It's a great, it's a great well, way. So uh, if you're, uh, if me, you're wondering you why things aren't working, we can find out. Yeah, let me, let me give you an example. Unfortunately, there are some industries, you know, construction, architectural, advertising, PR, that they all go and we could have a whole session on this like we've talked about before with the RFP. So they're chasing everything. And so people will put out an RFP and they're throwing all of this resource and all of this, uh, you know, the, 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 their people, their employees, everything is trying to get this thing out the door. And it's like, wait a minute, you know, what's the likelihood that you're going to get that anyhow? You know, you're going up against it, so maybe you're better off allocating resource to going out and actually visiting with a customer, meeting with a customer, going out and listening to them versus chasing something else that you have maybe a one in hundred shot to get. Yeah. I mean, that's just one example. You know? Building relationships. Uh, one of the things that we run into a lot is we may be talking to a company about maybe working together and they say, well, you know, marketing doesn't really apply to us because all of our business comes from referrals. Okay, well, yep. great. Are you seeing enough referrals? That's no. A, yeah. Well, they don't understand that the marketing fire hose can be directed at all kinds of different outcomes. One is increasing the number of referrals. Right. Okay. And so, again, without digging in and figuring out what is going on unique to each client, it's going to be really hard to get to the right answers. And again, do pe people don't pay us to give them the wrong answers, okay? We've been in business 33 years. I know you've been in business. I think you've been in business 33 also, 32, 33? Since 1990, yeah. So. Same, same, 33 years. And um, you're just not going to stay in business this long if you're, if you're not, uh, if you're guessing, right? Yeah. Now, if I this, can, go, go ahead. ahead. You know, I also want our listeners to think about like the 80-20 rule. You talk about resource allocation, it's like, you know, are you maybe you're putting a lot of money on all of your customers or all of your clients or whatever, but maybe there's 10 or five that are giving you 80% of the business. Maybe there's a different strategy there or resource allocation to focus on them. Or maybe you say, we want to allocate more because we want to bring others up into that top five or 10. That could work too. But, but it goes back to you, Pete, with regard to What's the strategy? What do you want to do? And I think that's got to be key before you even do the research. 
Well, we actually, this brings up, we had a client that was uh, a pretty small client. I think they were doing about half a million a year, but about, I think it was around 70, 70 some odd percent, 73% of their revenue was coming from just, I, I think it was nine clients. And yeah. so I asked the question, when was the last time you'd talked to those nine clients? The answer was never. Yeah, I know it's you can oh you know I, I'm trying to laugh <laughs> yeah yeah oh good it's lord it's pretty scary um insane um yeah this I, next go ahead but, dude, I was just gonna you're, you're making me laugh because my one of my first mentors that I had we would go in to see some of these organizations and they would be doing things just like that and I remember walking out and saying Ed you know, how do these people do it? I mean, how do they make money? How do they survive? Because I can't believe some of the craziness that I'm hearing, you know? And he would say, momentum. Momentum. <laughs> yeah. Being in the right place at the right time, luck, yeah. all right? I yeah, mean, there's exactly. all kinds of reasons, but but I was yeah. kind of shocked by that because it seems like common sense, right? I mean, you want to definitely stay in touch with the, you know, if, by the way, well, how did we find that out? research we looked at where their business was coming from and they didn't even know that they had so much revenue concentrated in just so few companies that is really dangerous uh and you know we've fallen prey to that too we're not you know we're not perfect we make the same mistakes everybody else does um this next one i think is is awesome and i i put together a little graphic for it um and so uh, you know do you love risk in other words are you this guy are you this guy? Because if you are, uh, don't bother with the research, man. You're good. And and it, it makes me think of, so Bill, Bill unfortunately can't see what's on the screen, but it's the it's the man standing there on fire. Actually, it just occurred to me that the, the listeners uh, through the podcast indication also can't see what's on the screen. So if you go to b2bmarketingmindset.com, you get to see all the cool stuff that we put on screen, our lovely faces, our cool stuff behind us. Looks like University of Wisconsin behind Bill there. He's a big fan. Uh, but how much risk are you willing to uh, tolerate? Uh, how much risk is your board willing to tolerate? Okay. And companies have different profiles of risk. Um, one example, I have a friend who's a stuntman. I may have used this example before. And one day I went over to his place and I, I said, Steve, what, what happened to your face? He was all scratched up and you know, the bandages on and stuff like this. And he says, ah, we were we had to roll this semi four or five times the other day, and we just couldn't get the glass right. We just couldn't tape the glass properly, and uh, and then and I didn't really hear the rest of that because the only thing I could think of was like, this guy's idea of risk is way different from mine, right? So what's your risk tolerance? Research exactly lowers risk, um, reducing uncertainties. Uh, you, you know, know the. The pandemic. Go ahead. No. I think I know what you're going to say. No, no. Go ahead. You say yours, and then I'll jump I'm in. I'm done. Okay. That's it. That's all I know. That's all we need to say. It's, let's reduce some risk and call it good, right? <laughs> you know, sometimes you're going to have somebody out there that's listening that's probably going to want to develop a new product or a new service that they want to take to market. And I think doing some research is going to definitely reduce that risk because we're going to find out how... How well along is that product? You know, you and I have talked about this, Pete, a million times. Where are people in the certain life cycle of their business? Where are their products? Those are really important to reduce risk too, because you know it depends on what you're going to do with it. 
But I'll even give you another example. Right now, I have a client. He was complaining because he's been doing some radio advertising and it's just not working. And I, I hate to say it. I mean, I'm not an expert in that at all. You are. Um, but I listen to some of those ads and I'm, I, I just think they're terrible. And I, you know, that's just me, but that's the bias approach. But it's like you could reduce that risk by testing those messages or those ads or your TV commercials or whatever you want to do with some target market so that they could react to it. And you might even bring in a few competitors ads and see what they do and have people make a, make a judgment, you know, which one are you going to buy or which one are you going to listen to? So there's so many areas that you could do with regard to reducing risk, but you know, I mean, well, even just, go ahead. and what's the risk, right? In a yeah. case like that, what if you're spending a million dollars on media buy Exactly. And you're just going to run the ads you think are maybe going to work the best? I, I don't think right. so. Um, and, uh, you know, again, uh, you know, I don't gamble. I'm not a gambler. I never have been. No. I've, I've been to Las Vegas a few times, and honestly, I, I needed to clean the, my, the bottoms of my shoes off. Uh, it was, uh, <laughs> I just can't stand that place. But now other people love to gamble. That's okay. You can do whatever turns you on. But, uh, you know, I think... I think by the nature of my profession, I'm I'm just not a uh, I, I'm not that risk tolerant. All right, I don't want companies hire us to lower risk. That's right. really what marketing planning, marketing research, it's what it's all about is to lower the risk. What's the risk that you're going to spend a bunch of money and a bunch of time, yep. and and it's just going to be money out the door. All right. I have this we, is probably distracting people. I have this little clip, and I, I'm not sure why. I just picked it up, and I'm, I'll put it down now. I, I was thinking it's kind of attractive. So it gives people one more reason to watch the, the video version of this versus listening to it on air, you know. So, but, you know, seriously, uh, you know, as part of some of the services that we do, we, we do employee surveys, but and some people might say, well, what does that have to do with marketing? And I think it has everything to do with marketing, and one day we should – take that as a topic, you know, love the, internal, the, the internal part of it. But one question that we ask in a lot of our employee services is what's the likelihood that you're going to stay with the organization within the next year? You could do the same thing with a customer. What's the likelihood that they would stay with you? I mean, that is definitely reducing uncertainty or reducing risk or whatever you want to call it, because now I can kind of predict turnover and it's like, let's do something about it before these people leave, you know? We did this with one organization and people were leaving because they didn't think they had a career path in that organization. And the client, when we reported back, they were like going crazy. Oh my gosh, there's such a career path here. I guess we just haven't done a good job explaining it or communicating. I mean, so there's a lot of things that go with that. I mean, reducing risk can be so much, you know, it just depends on what topic you want to look at. I would think that type of research would also have to be anonymous. Mm-hmm. And I and I and this is a question for you actually because somebody brought this up the other day. You you put the surveys out there, or sometimes a survey is actually an executive level phone call. Could be a digital right. survey. Is could be a folks group, but right. you promise an, an anonymity, but people don't believe it, right? Hmm. What? How do you how do you deal with that? Because I know when we when we do our survey, I want people yeah. to to be comfortable saying what is on their mind and knowing that their data is just going to get mixed up with everybody else's data and we're not going to be able to track it back to you. Is that a problem that you run into that people don't believe it? I mean, sometimes you get that, but I think there's ways to to, to alleviate that. And one thing might be like a, a pre-letter from you, for example, or a pre-email saying, 
that we've retained this independent third party and everything is going to them and we're kind of out of it, but we're just letting you know that you're going to get something from them. So that's something. Communication from us ex explaining exactly what you just mentioned, that we're going to look at this in its aggregate. You know, we're not going to go back and say so-and-so said this or so-and-so said that. We're looking for themes. We're looking for trends and we're not identifying anybody here. Um, in our online surveys, another thing that we offer our clients is to have it all password protected. So like every individual person could have their own private password. And that usually makes people feel really, and really so good. So even you can't, you, you, I mean, even no, you can't figure out who said what. No. Um, well, I think in this day and age of everything being tracked, there's a level of paranoia there. Yeah. And, you know, we find that people, if, you, if they're your customers in particular, they want to help you. They, mm -hmm. they love, they, just that the fact that you're asking them for their opinion, uh, right. it, it makes you, it, it's good for your business, right? Um, yeah. And then this is the argument for the third party. You can't do anonymous research yourself, right? If you're calling up your client and you're like, hey, Mary, uh, you know, you kind of know who you're talking to. Um, right. And I think that an a anonymity piece is actually crucial. If it's right. not anonymous, you're not going to get good data. Am I? I mean, you're the expert on this, but that's always yeah, been I, my feeling. I think I think you're right. And uh, but uh, two things on that. One, like you said before, if you can't afford it or you don't want to do it, even getting somebody from your organization to reach out and do that, I think is still a good idea. So getting some information, some research is better than nothing at all. So I think that that's really important. But but the one thing that that I, I caution people against, and I've seen this a lot where somebody will say, well, we'll have our sales reps go out and actually collect this information or talk, you know, and I'm like, oh, boy, sometimes they're the issue, you know, because sometimes right. I'll hear the salespeople, we haven't seen them for, you know, and then fill in the blank, you know, two years, or I didn't even know who the person is, or, you know, so, and sometimes, by the way, they're really good too, but it's like, you just hear that. I, I just think it's much better getting the unbiased perspective because like you said, I think they'll share that and they'll be honest with you. Right. What if that what if that salesperson is the problem? How right. how likely is that customer going to tell that salesperson that the reason they're not doing more business is because they don't like you, right? Yeah. I've, not I've very had that likely. Happen. I've had oh, yeah. that happen and I've had it where the customer when we finally interviewed them where they said and we've told this person 20,000 times they just don't listen to it, you know, so it's like that's even that's like a worst case scenario. Well, it could be anything also. I mean, it's 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 just I mean, this is why there's no cookie cutter answers. If 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 no. I, I, we we're just I was just working on a presentation about uh, marketing firms that put forth, you know, they talk to you for a couple hours and then they come back with a full uh, proposal. In fact, I think it was last week's episode. I was talking about it. Um, huh. And. The, the truth is, if that's the case, they're just cookie cuttering. They're just saying, we want to sell you these things. These are the same, the same things we sell everybody. Your company's unique, all right? Now, there's an argument to be said that most businesses are really not that unique. Their, their fundamental ways that business works is, is the same across industries and across companies. But the details of every single business are unique enough that a, a, any boilerplate approach it just goes back to risk it's extremely risky 
you know, how do you know that this mixture of social media and web development and paid per click ads and radio is going to work for you just because it worked for some similar company, maybe in a different market, right? I mean, there's too many variables. And so, you know, it'd be great if you could recycle everything, but it's just not not really how it works. I mean, a lot of these things, in some ways, we wish it did work this way because they're sure it would save us a lot of work, right? Uh, yeah. But yeah. but it just doesn't. And we want to give you the best uh, opportunity to be successful. And our job is to, you know, our job isn't really to tell companies what to do, all right? Our job is to make help you make fully informed decisions, all right? And we don't know all the answers, so we have to go find the answers. And so that's really what research is about. And it can be done, like I said, very efficiently. It doesn't have to cost a ton of money. Uh, if you're curious about research, reach out to Bill. Uh, you would put his link uh, to his company in the comments. We also will put a bunch of links everywhere you can subscribe to the podcast in the comments. Uh, Bill's company is businessdevelopmentdirectives.com. And I want this to be a commercial for us. It's been that way a little bit on this episode, but that's okay. This is our thing. This is what we do. It's what we're obsessed with. Um, and so... Uh, but yeah, reach out. It's all right. He's friendly. He doesn't he doesn't bite. Um, last point. I think this is a huge one. Can you see the big picture? Are you working with a long term vision, or are you just going month to month, quarter to quarter, week to week? In some cases, I mean, uh, it seems like it would be really hard to develop a long term vision without some level of research. You know, a couple of things. One of the things as a consultant that we uh, say a lot that I'm sure people get tired of hearing is that we always say, you know, sometimes you need to spend time on the business rather than time in the business. You know, so many times people are just so inundated with all their day to day activities like you're talking about that they don't take time to step back and work on the big picture like you're talking about. But research can really help you, whether that's doing some industry research or, you know, looking at some of the associations or seeing what trends are on the rise. And I mean, there's lots of things. In fact, I always say, you know, with regard to strategic planning or strategic marketing, if you're doing that, you know, it really helps you to see that big picture. Uh, unless sometimes you're just doing pie in the sky stuff, which is okay too. But then it's good to do research afterward to make sure that, well, is there something that we can do with that? Or is this really just too far out there so yeah so your pie is not too high in the sky right uh, <laughs> exactly. you know uh, you know i think there's i think there's an argument that that also says you can do too much research yes, all right yes there's analysis paralysis uh, if, if if we're experts at anything it's how to scale efforts according to the situation circumstances size abilities constraints right. of of the client on an individual client basis like, because people are always worried about, hey, look, I see you worked for Harley Davidson. Hey, I see you worked for, uh, you know, Kimberly Clark, whatever. How are you going to know what my $3 million, $5 million, $10 million right. company? I mean, the, the assumption is that we're going to just give you the, hey, this is what worked for Gigantor Company. Uh, you know, no. Uh, at the center of everything we do is knowing what's appropriate for your industry, for your size, for your objectives. It's what we do day in and day out. And so if you don't feel like you're getting that from whoever is advising you or your marketing team, your marketing executives, um, you should be because I think that's the difference between, and this is another episode that either, you know we've probably done one in the past, we'll do one again, the difference between 
marketing strategy and marketing tactics. Okay, mm -hmm. the difference is research. All right, building a website is a tactic. Figuring out if you need a website or if you need to change your website is a strategy. How are you going to figure that out? You're going to do research. Okay, so it's it's really kind of what it's all about, in my opinion. Either you're being strategic with your marketing, or you're playing shiny object. Okay. Right. What do you want to do? How much risk do you want to take? You like to throw money away. It's all good with us. Hey, we're not going to, you know, it's good with me. As my family used to say, yeah, we don't, uh, you know, hey. But, you know, it's, it's, it's true. And it, it's, it's so true. interesting, too, because, like I said earlier, sometimes doing some research for that vision, like you're talking about for the future, some people in organizations can't see their future. You know, and sometimes the research or having an unbiased uh, individual like yourself come in and help them to see it really makes it a lot clearer. And so that might be something that, that people can do. So I think those are a couple of good steps that you could take. I mean, it's like, what is the possibility of what we could do? Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to put some more detail on uh, the B2Bmarketingmindset.com. And so, uh, you know, go ahead over there and check that out. Yeah. And um, we're pleased that you join us here every Thursday on LinkedIn. And thank you, Bill. I think this has been a great topic. And so uh, we'll do this again next Thursday at 11 o'clock. Great. Thank you. So don't be that man on fire. That's, I guess that's the point, huh? Exactly. <laughs> See you next time. Let, let's enjoy your music as your music takes us that's out. That's right. I'm Bill forget to subscribe and check out the links in the comments. Learn more at b2bmarketingmindset.com.